Law Focus Podcast, bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Good evening, listeners. I'm Tapu Mohapi, and I'll be hosting you for our weekly and very entertaining Law Focus show. Um, today, I'm all alone because my my colleague. Uh, Millicent isn't around, she's not feeling well, shame, and she's had to take the day off. So we're going to unpack the law as we normally do on our show. And our topic today is going to be restorative justice. Now, I'm not really an expert in that, and I don't really know it that well. But what I understand about it is it's an alternative means of justice where we involve parties to a dispute or to a crime, offenders, families of offenders, community members, in perhaps solving the crime, preventing its reoccurrence, and trying to get a measure of reconciliation and some understanding, perhaps also getting people to have their own views and how they feel about the things that have happened to them. Um, Well, I'm not going to be alone, of course. I've got two guests lined up, and both of them are extremely qualified. Uh, They're really good at what they do. The first one is Cornelia Nell. She's an attorney of the High Court, been practicing for a number of years now. She deals a lot with parole and parolees, some of the more prominent cases um, um, that she deals with have made the news, but she'll dis- she'll discuss that with us a little bit later. And in her work, she has to deal a lot with victims, victim-offender dialogue is what she calls it, and she will be unpacking that portion of restorative justice with her. The next guest that we have is Leslie-Anne van Salm. She's the managing director at Kulisa Social Solution, and they their aim is to identify systemic challenges within society and in communities and then overcome some of the the, the the fragmentation that exists in policy systems and delivery through the mobilization of the local people that are there. Right. Now, this wouldn't be a conversation without you, and it never is. So let's hear from you on Twitter at VowFM using the hashtag LawFocus. Our podcast is Iono FM, and you're tuned into LawFocus on VowFM 88.1. Before we go to our guests, let's take a look at our legal hotspots, the hottest news stories in the legal field of the week. Rounding up all, all the top all stories, the of, the stories of the week is Legal Hotspots. Well, now it's back to Gordon and the public protector. If I hear Gordon and public protector one more time, I think I will be <laughs> I'm going to scream. But they are an important part of our discourse at the moment uh, because there's a real battle going on there. Now, they were in court again uh, just the other day. I think it was yesterday. And the High Court in Pretoria made a ruling on that. Now, Pravin Gordon got... A, he was applying for an interdict for the remedial action which the public protector had recommended against him. The public protector had given a, an unusual time frame of about 30 days and uh, he was applying for the court to interdict the implementation of that remedial action by the president pending his, the outcome of his review. And surprise, surprise, the minister was successful. 
uh, it seems to be that our public protector, Aishem, she can't get it right at the moment. Although this isn't such a massive um, ruling on her part, it's just that is another little setback that she has. Um, what is interesting, though, is that the judge, this is Justice Potterall, uh, described some of the submissions by the public protector as being nonsensical. Uh, now, on these Twitter streets, I'm, it hasn't been confirmed yet, uh, but she seems, the, the public protector seems to have taken serious umbrage at the idea that her submissions are nonsensical. She says that the, um, um, the, uh, the, the judge overreached in her judgment, and there's a possibility that this could go uh, to an appeal by the public protector. Now, oh, I, heaven knows. Um, there's some legal principles involved there which we can unpack another day, uh, but that seems like a very, very long road that she's going to walk. Now, another thing that came up this week was the final report on land reform and agriculture. This was released during the course of this week. It's a big issue in our country because of our historical context and also because it's become a real political uh, football. This economic, uh, or what's it called again, expropriation without compensation. And it's become a big topic over the last 18 months or so. So last year, uh, I think it was the minister, uh, the, the president who then created an interministerial commission on land reform and created an, an expert advisory panel. The, the president appointed them. And they completed their work last year. And it was specifically to uh, deal with issues and make recommendations about land reform and agriculture. Now, they were discussing uh, policy matters concerning land restitution, uh, land redistribution, land tenure security. Now, land tenure security might be, for example, if you are in the rural areas, what kind of hold or ownership or whatever do you have over the property that you're living in? That's an example there of, of land tenure security. And agricultural support. Now, the result of the report mainly was that land uh, com uh, that land com was that expropriation without compensation may apply in limited instances. The panel also recommended uh, that government uh, take on implement some policies and legislation to govern land expropriation, particularly in the agricultural set. If you remember, that will be the most sensitive and potentially the most volatile section of our of our sort of land debate because that is historically. Uh, owned by the white minority farmers in this country. Okay, but we will see how that report and how that pans out in light of, you know, some of the statistics that were released today, which are devastating in terms of unemployment and so on, whether this will be still the focus or people will have now moved on to something else. We're far from elections, hey, and I'm a little bit of a cynic, so we'll see how that pans out. And then a very important development for the equality and treatment of women who are in polygamous customary marriages. Uh, the government has drafted a bill, that's now Parliament, drafted a new bill which provides for the equal treatment of women in monogamous and polygamous customary marriages in South Africa. Uh, the proposed amendment to the Recognition of Customary Marriages Act will give women who entered into customary marriages, whether they're monogamous or, poly or polygamous, prior to 1998, equal rights to a matrimonial property. Okay. Now, this implies that the spouses will now have joint and equal 
property rights over marital property. There was a little bit of a discrepancy, particularly when you come to ladies who were in polygamous marriages, uh, customary marriage. There was something of a discrepancy there, and I think what the aim is to do is to now correct that. Of course, that would spill over to their children as well, uh, because if one party didn't have the same rights as another party over the matrimonial property, that would create problems. Okay, so it will benefit the children born of the marriage as well. And it's a really important decision in the step towards gender equality and perhaps even making inroads into uh, reducing the the inequality and disparity between men and women. Uh, Restorative justice is our topic of the day. Don't forget to hashtag us uh, using uh, the hashtag LawFocus and our Twitter handle is at VowFM. Listening to LawFocus? Connect with VowFM88.1 on Twitter and Facebook. Be your own lawyer. All right, welcome back uh, to VAFM Law Focus Show. And we are going to be discussing restorative justice today. Is it really justice? And perhaps some of the aspects of it, some of the complications, maybe it's drawbacks. Where does it fit in? What are we going to do about restorative justice? And does it really have a place in South Africa? Joining us right now is attorney Ms. Cornelia Nell. Um, she is an attorney who deals a great deal with this aspect of the law and in particular with um, things around victim-offender dialogue, which they call VODs. Um, So it's a really interesting part of the conversation. Cornelia, hello. Hi, good evening, Peter. Thank you for um, having me. Okay, great. It's always good to hear from you. I love hearing you. Because, I mean, uh, <laughs> Thank you so much. Your aspect of the law is always very, very interesting. The, the, the term restorative justice is, is quite broad. Uh, and sometimes, you know, it can include a lot of things that maybe in our minds can include a lot of things. More or less, what is restorative justice? And, you know, from, from a law point of view, what is it? Um, well, see what you've to, to give it to you in simple terms, I'm, I'm going to rather focus on more than South African point of view. I think that would, you know, be of more interest to our, to our listeners. Um, it, it, it basically involves a, 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 a voluntary process where um, uh, the, the victims and the uh, offender um, uh, of a crime or um, a stage is set with our war together and um, or to, uh, to organise a meeting mm. um, whereby the whereby the the, the uh, victim and the offender or the family of the of, of the victim can interact with one another, and um, it actually has a twofold purpose. Um, it gives the victim uh, the opportunity to express um, the the, the circumstance, the effect that the crime has had on him or her, then, yeah. or the family, um, um, or the society as a whole. And it also creates a platform for the victims to ask questions surrounding the reasons and the circumstances as to why the perpetrator committed the crime. And also, obviously, it will, in, a, in, a, in a way, perhaps assist the victim in, 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 in getting closure um, with regards to a crime that was perpetrated that in all likelihood changed their lives forever. Right. Um, on the other yeah. hand, with regards to the offender, um, it must be. We must remember that in South Africa and our penal criminal justice system, um, 
we must look at what are the what is the the purposes of, of for example, imprisonment for for for, for a uh, commission of a violent crime. So, firstly, it is for punishment and retribution. Um, secondly, it serves as a, imprisonment serves as a deterrent, um, and um, ultimately. Um, and also to, to, to protect the protect society um, as a whole against you know against offenders considered as dangerous. Yeah. But ultimately rehabilitation, and um, I think what we must remember when we look at, for instance, for example, a life sentence for for murder in South Africa is not a life like it is in America. A, a life sentence there would be up until the day uh, you. That you die, yes, basically. yes, yes. In America, and, um, if, if you're sentenced to to, yes, to life, it's life. Yes, yes, often. yes, exactly. Yeah. So, um, in South Africa, for instance, life sentences are served um, uh, uh, concurrently. I can give a recent example in the case of Henry van Bredaar was found guilty of um, um, uh, three uh, um, uh, uh, charges of murder yeah. and one of attempted murder. But those, uh, uh, those uh, 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 the sentences will run. Uh, concurrently, in other words, after 20 to 25 years, you will become eligible or for, become a consideration for parole, mm. as opposed to if, let's say, it was in America, it would have been uh, consecutively and the one sentence would have followed upon the other one. So, yeah. um, whether people like it or not, that is, the, that is the law in South Africa, and we have to put a great deal of emphasis on, on, on rehabilitation and um, and, and, and assisting the the, 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 the the offender in gaining insight and understanding as to the actions and how it affected the victims. Okay. And to change the attitudes and behavior. And um, it is so, it's obviously a very important um, I think, a, a victim or, or victim offender dialogue or, or restorative justice is a fundamental part of rehabilitation. Right. Because it, it ultimately involves taking responsibility mm. by actually fighting and communicating with the victim or the family of the victim. And hopefully it will assist the, the, the offender in, in, in gaining some com- compassion. And some changes and, in their and, behavior, and, ultimately. Yeah, absolutely, changing yeah. their behavior. And we must yeah. remember that, as I, as I just said, you know, we, uh, life sentence is not like an Ultimately, and most offenders will eventually be placed on parole. Um, yeah, and, 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 and released society into society. Must consider what type of person do we want to go out there in society and to be reintegrated into society. Right. Do we want somebody that has been rehabilitated, that is, that is, uh, um, um, given the opportunity, um, you know, to, uh, um, 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 uh, you know, to have changed, uh, or, or are we just placing somebody back that are going to reoffend and 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 you know, there's ultimately a great risk for right. society as a whole. Okay. So I think yes. So, so it's a twofold. Um, um, I think I think that's it's a two-fold. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, um. No, I hear you. Now, tell me, generally speaking, what types of instances or or or, or crimes or legal issues would involve restorative justice? I'll I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an okay. example. So, we have a, a, at some point where 
uh, before somebody actually goes on trial, they can go to one side and they can go for mediation. Let's say uh, in a domestic violence situation and they can sort of sort it out and sometimes then the NPA says, all right, we won't prosecute. And then we have another scenario where someone has been convicted but not yet sentenced, let's say. And then you have a victim who says, this is how I feel about it. And then at the last stage, we have a person who's been convicted and sentenced and then at that stage, say I'm now eligible for parole and we have the victim also involved there. Are those all instances of restorative justice or or which ones are restorative? Is there restorative justice? In in, in, in South Africa, um, uh, restorative justice can um, definitely in in cases where where there's violent crime, it's fundamental that restorative justice um, um, takes place in those instances, murder, rape, for instance. But um, the um, it it can take place. um, It it can take place um, before the trial. Mm -hmm. It can take place during sentencing, or it can take uh, place after sentencing. And um, it's important to you know to to consider each case very carefully, and obviously also to consider and 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 the 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 rights of of the victims specifically whether they want to participate in in, in any such process at any at any given time. In my experience, um, victim offender or restorative justice has become common practice. Um, uh, uh, for a person that is serving, a, you know, for instance, a, 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 a lengthy prison sentence, yes. which is a life, a life sentence, and um, so for the so, more serious so offences. In, in practice, in practice, it can it can be introduced, you know, even before uh, before trial or during sentencing. But in practice, it actually happens uh, while a per- person is serving their time in prison, mm-hmm. uh, and it is part of the rehabilitation process. Yeah, and so, um, so just, uh, uh, so generally speaking, yes. you wouldn't say that it, it, it doesn't take the place of punitive justice. It's complementary to punitive justice. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the two are very different. And if you look at punitive justice on its own, um, you know, research has shown if you only apply punitive justice on its own, it hasn't been so successful. So I wouldn't say one should look at the two completely different. I'd say it's more of a re- uh, 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 integrating uh, uh, the two, you know, punitive justice together with restorative uh, justice because I've got different purposes and, and, and naturally a person must be punished um, for, for, for a crime that they've yeah. committed. But yeah. on the other hand, uh, like I said before, we must also look at the rehabilitation aspect and there, that is where restorative justice would be extremely important. So they complement each other. You are quite correct in, right. in making that statement. And they, yes, and, and, and one should find a, find a balance and, 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 and not necessarily consider the one more important or, or, or than the other. Yes, yes, or, or or soft compared to the other yes, one. Should you yes, consider yes, that yes, one? So, yes, so now, yes. it sounds like it can be a fairly delicate process. And you know, being an attorney myself, sometimes delicacy, sensitivity, and all of that isn't really my forte. I'm, I'm, you know. Legal professionals are often, uh, you know, quite, quite calculated, quite, you yes, know. We are. So, who, <laughs> so who else would be involved in this process to make it more humane or, or to make it less of a detached uh, and more, more of a, a real, you know, process of 
getting humans together rather than just part of the process of say um, um, parole or something? Who else is involved in this in this process? Well, um, um, take this, if, if you look at a person as a, let's say for example, a person that is serving a long time uh, 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 and sentence and, and, and the, the, the process of restorative justice is being implemented, and it lies with the, the responsibility or, the, or, or, or um, starts with the department or, or the respective prison in which the inmate is serving their sentence and the, the case management committee and, 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 and so forth and the psychologists and, 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 and social workers that are responsible for a particular inmate. And um, uh, NGOs also play an important role. And um, in the end of the day, um, it is uh, it is a very delicate process because one it cannot be forced upon either the, the victim or the offender. It is a it is a, a consensual uh, um, um, a process and forum, and um, both yeah, both parties must agree and both parties must obviously be open minded. So um, a, a lot of preparation will, will will take place and 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 um, you know for some people some victims or family of victims. You must remember that maybe have left the country or they've, or they've gone for therapy, they've moved on. They don't want to see or face this perpetrator yes. ever. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and that, you know, one was like that. Into, other people might have a, a great need to meet the person that um, was responsible for, you know, the commission of the, or, or that, you know, changed their lives forever by committing that, that crime. And um, so there's a great deal of people involved. There's a whole chain of people involved and preparation involved also. And it sometimes takes takes quite you know it can take years to actually uh, uh, get individuals together in 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 um, in in, um, in in, in um, participating in a in a face to face restorative justice session. And um, so, so there should be a lot of role players there as well. There should be a lot of role players, and also well, in terms of assistance, um, one, uh, you know, the perfect, the, 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 victim, the victim is allowed to, you know, for instance, bring a friend as a support, uh, 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 yeah, as a support or a, or a, uh, um, um, you know, a, a, a religious individual or a, a pastor or, yeah. or, or or whatever the case might be, and or it might be a whole a whole family. That, that 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 will that will uh, um, um, participate Great. in the process. Oh uh, yeah, and it and it and it depends. You know, family 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 deal with yeah. um, these uh, with, with crimes differently. We'll discuss a famous example of that in a few minutes, actually. Um, but I'm th- I think we, we we'll sort of end with that one. Uh, but hang on, I, I want to know now if, if we're looking at restorative justice. Is reparation an aspect of it? Should it should re, re, restorative justice come before reparation? Is reparation even a consideration in restorative justice? Oh, see, that's a loaded question because I think reparation very much depends on um, you know the individual. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, for example, we don't really have the concept of blood money, and and, and, and yeah. I, I mean, if, if, if someone's uh, passed away, I mean, yes. what, what 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 reparation could you have there? I suppose exactly. Yeah. yeah. What what I uh, was that a question? Sorry. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm just making the comment that yeah, it can be difficult to to for reparations. But I mean, are the is reparation part of restorative justice? Where it's absolutely, possible? absolutely. I think it's, it, 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 reparation. And I think 
it very much depends on the individual, the, the perpetrator himself or herself. They can start with the process of reparation, uh, you know, uh, you know, early into a sentence or, or after a crime has been committed by mm. virtue of his or her own actions. Mm. Um, awareness or, or participating actively in programs and, and education and, 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 and especially when it comes to, to school children and, and youngsters that are very today in our society vulnerable to, 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 um, to getting involved with crime. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I mean, so, it doesn't always have to be a financial but, reparation. But reparation also, if you look at it, is, is, is part of, 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 of restorative justice mm. because it is, if you, the, the, by, by definition, it is um, a, 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 um, doing, uh, um, making good for a wrong. So if you are in, in a session of restorative justice and you take responsibility and you ask for forgiveness and it really, it really comes from, it, from your heart and you are, you are genuine and you are sincere and you show remorse, I would say that that, that is also a form of reparation. Yeah. And, 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 um, once again, coming back to the individual, an individual may, upon release from 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 prison or, or after a, a, a punishment has been served or whatever the case may be, go into the world and, and try and make a difference. Um, you know, by educating, by by making awareness, by by creating awareness. Okay. And then, and so, so I would say the, the two are integral, and 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 I think reparation is essentially. A part of 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 of, rest, of the restorative justice process. Oh, and but and and how effective, in your experience, has the the the, the implementation or introduction of um, restorative justice been in South Africa? Has it been effective yet? Well, uh, sorry, restorative justice has got an interesting history. It, 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 it actually originated in indigenous law from a South African perspective. Yes, from um, the concept of Ubuntu. <laughs> yes, 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 actually, quite correctly. So, you know, it was systematically introduced into into our legal system, and 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 especially over the last um, five years or so, we, we we you know we see it more and more that that is a requirement for placement on parole, but. The, the unfortunate, the unfortunate thing about um, restorative justice is that we don't, uh, we don't always have the resources available, mm. um, you know, to, to, to make that, to, to implement it, to, to um, um, and 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 when we, when we when we see or hear about restorative justice, it's normally high-profile cases, and uh, so I think a lot of a lot of a lot of inmates and uh, offenders and a lot of victims really fall through the cracks. And so I would say South Africa has got a long way to go in terms of really, really implementing uh, restorative justice, justice and making and 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 and, and, and you know and, and to, for, for it to be truly beneficial mm. and and resources should be made and, and made available and I think awareness should be created mm. and um, you know the Department of Correctional Services should also. Um, you know, uh, perhaps you know, invest more in 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 um, developing developing this process and 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 uh, um, you know, uh, 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 for example, in tracing uh, uh, um, victims, that's not always easy. Yes, um, eighteen no. years into a sentence, you must now start looking for you know for for victims. So where do you start? No, and you're, and you're not well acquainted. Um, you're not you know, well so acquainted. I think, I think it's important it. to. It's, I think it's important for for for. Uh, uh, there's a lot of work that can be done, and a lot of um, and and um, uh, definitely we. It is effective. It's definitely. It can be effective. 
um, um, and uh, I've seen many instances where it has been, uh, it really has been uh, really beneficial for both the, 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 the perpetrator and the, um, the victim. Okay. And, um, let, yes. Uh, let, let, let's perhaps move on to a little bit of a, a less pleasant part of our history. Um, you know, yes. we, we move from apartheid to, uh, to a democratic society, and in between we had the TRC. And yes. n- recently, growing yeah. criticism of the TRC and its implementation, how things worked out with the TRC. People are looking at it and saying, is this what restorative justice means? They're looking at the Janusz Walusz of the world. They're looking at uh, the Eugene de Cooks and saying, but hang on, we don't feel justice when they look outside and they, and they say, but shouldn't we have gone the Nuremberg route? Is this restorative thing really a good thing for us, particularly in South Africa where so much happened? And you know, what would you say to a comment like that? To say, but look at, look at the TRC type of an example of how we're shortchanged by, some people feel, shortchanged by the restorative justice process. Well, I think, I think, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and and and, and um, you know, twenty five years down the line, we look back, and you know, one will always say, you know, could we have dealt with it in a better way? And um, was the TLC really effective? But you know, um, uh, our listeners might be a little bit too young to really appreciate how how how, how difficult and how sensitive those times were for South Africa. Mm, and, mm, and, mm. And, on the brink of and, civil and, war, hey? Yeah, on the brink of civil war, yes. Yeah. And, and I think that the, 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 the TLC was mainly um, not really restorative justice, but it was mainly to, to create a forum to, for people to, um, to make disclosure for, for, to, 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 for, 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 for crimes that were perpetrated during the apartheid years. Yeah. And, 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 um, and, and yes, uh, um, the majority of, 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 of perpetrators of apartheid crimes were granted amnesty. And, um, and, 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 um, what yes, uh, they were never. It, it, in my opinion, um, um, if you ask me my personal opinion, I think um, yes, okay, amnesty did play an important role, and one also had to look at the hierarchy of responsible, you know, levels of responsibility, right. and um, you know, and uh, but you know, individuals that received amnesty just merely carried on with their lives and. You know, in, in retrospect, if one looks back, I think it should have been much more conducive mm. if those if those people were made to go through a, a type of a program of of restorative justice and right. and 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 you know understanding the impact of of, of the crimes that they've committed. Yeah. And unfortunately, that was not done. So yes, criticism absolutely could have been. It could, you know, the, the individual each individual could have taken. I don't want to cut you off, but I really want you just to give our listeners, you know, the Hani murder was, an, was a very important one. And uh, the, um, Mr. Hani had a wife and he had children. And um, one of his daughters wrote about meeting Mr. Janusz Walusz. Uh, and I think perhaps you should share that, what yes, impact yes. that had on Mr. Janusz Walusz is the murderer of, uh, of, of Chris Hani. Uh, what impact that had on her life and perhaps also as juxtaposed with the mother's, um, his former wife, Dimpo, uh, her uh, um, uh, experience as well. Well, um, 
maybe a level of compassion for uh, no, for all parties concerned, not only um, you know, not only the victims, but also for the perpetrators. Yeah, thank you very much, Cornelia. Thank you, Peter. Thank you very much for having me. Bye. So that was Cornelia, and she was discussing our. Um, uh, you know, our ex- her experiences of restorative justice. We'll be back just after this break. Law Focus, ending you your rights. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to Law Focus. We're unpacking the uh, the topic of restorative justice. Um, we took a walk on the streets of Bramfontein in Johannesburg, and we asked our listeners what they think of restorative justice and its place in our society. So, restorative justice, um, I think, uh, one, uh, Africans have been doing this thing of restorative justice for, for, you know, for as long as we can remember. Uh, Ubuntu is basically based on restorative justice, but restorative justice doesn't mean that crime doesn't have consequences, you know. There should be consequences for crime, and people should be inserted back to the community, uh, you know, because they are human beings, there there's no there's no pin to throw away a human being. So to restore them doesn't really uh, doesn't really mean that you know um, there shouldn't be consequences. You know, um, to to even petty crimes. Because if you are going to say ah you 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 know you won't there, there won't be consequences if you did this crime and did that, then that's not justice. Because justice should be you know all we are all equal. It shouldn't be an animal farm type of situation where some are equal more than others, you know. So I think if we look into that philosophy of Ubuntu to say, right, we, there, will, there will be justice and consequences for, for your crime, but again, let us incept people back into the communities, let them work for the communities as part of restoration. For, yeah, so that's my view, my lead. No focus. Point, point of information. Evening and we're back. Well, our Voxy question was quite uh, was, was quite a good one, and uh, it, uh, it it opened some some nice sort of topics there. Um, next on our show is uh, our guest Leslie Ann van van Salm. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's not the surname I'm used to, but Leslie Ann van Salm, born in South Africa, started her own marketing company at the age of 24, and, and its main focus was the upliftment of marginalised community, particularly black communities, and it involved the music industry, educational TV programs, um, public relations uh, for the black chain uh, shopping centre in Diplu for a few years, uh, but what we her 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 reason for being here today is an organization called Kulisa and it dates back from 97 uh, in collaboration with the Department of Correctional Services Education and Social Development Deslian launched a storytelling program amongst juvenile offenders and it used african stories to promote the sense of cultural pride uh, to date, 19 years later, she's still personally in touch with many of those who were involved in her programs, and she's received uh, national and regional recognition for her work. We're very pleased to uh, in, to welcome Ms. Leslie Ann van Salm to the show. Hello, Leslie. And Hi, thank you so much for inviting me to talk to you and your listeners. Yes, we're very pleased to have you on the show. Um, your 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 history reads uh, it, it's wonderful it really is it, it's it, it it seems to be someone who is very committed to the country and more importantly to the people of this country so let's move to our real topic of the day uh, how does restorative justice really 
in, in practice differ from retributive justice, where we well, focus on punishment? Okay, retributive um, justice is really um, putting people um, within a situation where um, they have to be punished for what they've done. And our, our um, 20 years in working with restorative justice allows us to actually enter into a discourse where we actually find out what the factors are that caused the crime in the first place. Um, we have so many young people. When I started Kulisa in, in, in 1997, my life totally changed because for the first time, I was very privileged to listen to why young people were in prison in the first place. And these young people are victims of what we have created in our own communities. Mm. They're victims of rape, they're victims of violence, they're victims of a poor educational system. And all they're doing is playing out what they've learned themselves. And if they and all our young offenders, all people who violate in different ways could have a chance for us to find out what was the trigger in the first place, we would be able to create great healing in this country. So restorative justice is central to, to holding offenders accountable and to allowing victims to understand why that offender offended them in the first place. Mm, 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 mm. All right. So, I mean, it, 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 you could say perhaps it's taking not just the offense, but actually putting a face to the person and so on. Um, what would you say the benefits are? for those who get involved. We were speaking to a, a, a person earlier and they said it's largely a voluntary process. But what are, if you do get involved in, 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 in the restorative justice process, what are the benefits for being involved? Well, first of all, restorative justice, you restore. And justice is restored because the victim has an opportunity to speak to the offender and to find out why this offender caused all this havoc in their lives. But you also have a way forward where the offender is held accountable for what they've done. And there's some form of restoration that they have to do. Either, um, or, I, I, there's so many different circumstances I can, I can go into, but to hold offender accountable and for that offender to actually say, I have wronged. And these are the circumstances that I'm standing up and I'm telling you why I've wronged. And I'm going to make good the damage done. That alone is worthy of so much because the dignity is restored on both sides, but also it understands us as practitioners, as community members, to understand that something precipitated the crime and the offense in the first place. Mm. And it's very systemic. No, it didn't and come from nowhere. It didn't come from nowhere, but also when we've looked um, after 6,000 cases in KwaZulu-Natal, 92% of the victims preferred the restorative route as, it goes, as opposed to going through the punitive route, which is delayed court cases, files being lost, lo lawyers taking days of work, medical aid, the mm. police system. What you can do is, you, is the healing can be created in a way where everybody wins through mm. accountability as opposed to going through a, a court case or a trial that might last 10 years, cost the state millions and millions of rands. Whereas at the end of the day, the perpetrator can actually say to a young boy, okay, my child stole your bike, I'm going to give you a new bicycle. That's all the child wants. Mm. And that is restoration. All right. No, that's good. And, and, and do, you, do, 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 do you think that reparation in some form, whether it's monetary payment or service to the victim or to society at large, could ever truly be enough um, to... 
to make right, particularly for serious offences, could that ever truly be enough? Well, I've got irrefutable evidence mm. to say it's the only way we can go. Mm. And even though a victim who might have been raped and, and stabbed, and we've got so many cases, might not forgive the perpetrator, the victim in her or his own heart has heard the story and has told the perpetrator, I wish you'll be in prison for the rest of your life, which has happened often. But this country is so lacking in restoration. If we look at what's going on in all our different uh, you know, parliamentary sessions and inquiries and investigations and commissions, where's the restoration there? There's no restoration. And we, we have to lead by example. Mm. We should be, we should at the highest level in this country be letting people apologize for what they've done to every single citizen going down to the most marginalized community members who will never know restoration. All mm. they know is, is, is pillage and, 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 and total abuse. And so restoration and restorative justice will never happen unless it comes from the top. And the people at the bottom who have been deprived of every human right can actually see, okay, there's accountability. But there's mm. no accountability in this country. So my, my answer is, yes, restorative justice can change the world, can change everything. But unless we start at the highest level and the people in this country who are so dehumanized can actually see that people are, are being held accountable. But I, I can't see that coming yet because there's just blame and lies. And, and money being invested time and time again with no with no sustainable outcomes. Right now, I'm 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 an attorney myself. I don't know if I told you. And generally speaking, legal practitioners tend to be conservative, and they tend to be detached. And uh, you might find, and I would say, in in my speaking to many um, uh, practitioners who perhaps aren't involved so much directly in the process is that there's a little bit of pushback from them they say but restorative justice is a justice you know what kind of challenges have you found with particularly with legal practitioners perhaps it's the courts or others uh, or even just attorneys and advocates have you found pushback from them or is it more of a supporting role that the supportive role that they've played well, I, I think um, to a degree it could be a money matter. Mm. So when a, when a, um, there's a domestic violence dispute and they go to an attorney, the attorney saying people don't have any money, let's go the restorative route so they'll refer the case to us mm -hmm. um, and, and rather make way for the more serious offences which, which should be going through the, through the justice system um, and which, which, which attorneys would, would like to deal with with his money for it. But uh, restorative justice... I don't think anybody, and really you, you spoke to your gentleman in Bromford who was obviously highly intelligent and informed, but if you ask anybody in, in the street, what does restorative justice mean? It's so vague and, and so nebulous mm. because unless people can taste justice in their, in their mouths and in their hands and in their hearts, restoration will never happen. So the attorneys, and we, we've had a wonderful relationship with the Department of Justice and maybe hopefully through a second interview with you we can talk to you about a very, very significant restorative justice campaign that's in sub-Saharan Africa that we're mm. leading with the Department of Justice mm. with persons with albinism, but that, that's a separate issue. Right. But, but well, that's when, when we can start bringing healing, the lawyers, the legal fraternity, they will support us because we are looking for alternatives 
solutions. And and in the um, we had an evaluation done from a European Union project where eighty three percent of the victims out of four thousand wanted to go the restorative route because the families were healed, the money wasn't spent, and there was an outcome where where the, the uh, where the offenders were held accountable. And we've got to take this to grassroots level to make it work. It's it's a, it's a phrase, a term that's been you know, sort of chucked around for the past 15 years in our country and we've been involved since inception. But I, I, I would love to challenge you on even having a program on restorative justice without us being able to give evidence yes. at grassroots level of what it's meant to the majority of people in our country. No, that's, I mean, that, that's something I think we should we should follow up because it will appear as though it could be and should be more utilised than it already is. But I, I want to take you to our own systems. Perhaps you have some um, knowledge of them and the idea of Ubuntu as well as accountability to those immediately around you. Um, and how do you make use of the idea? It's not often utilized in, in our justice systems, the concept of Ubuntu. But do you make use of that concept when you go through the restorative justice process, whatever, whatever, however it manif- manifests? Well, I mean, the, the, so I, I, again, I'm, I'm just talking about years and years of making mistakes mm. and eventually um, processing mistakes. And we've worked with literally over 10 million people in this country. We now... We've been in the UK doing restorative justice for 12 years, in Australia, and now expanding over Africa. So Ubuntu, I believe, um, is in the veins of, and I'm, I'm putting it black people, not white, because I think everybody everybody has Ubuntu percolating underneath their skin. But mm. the most forgiving people I've ever worked with are our black people in the rural communities. But although they know the word Ubuntu, they haven't seen it or been able to practice it because of the, the because of the dysfunctional society in which we live. There's no justice mm. at grassroots level. So yes, the minute an opportunity arises and I've I've seen we've done over sixteen thousand restorative justice cases over the past fifteen wow. years in multiple settings. Is you just scratch on the surface of somebody and especially an African person when they can learn why somebody did something and it's forgiveness and there's a dialogue circle and the community buy-in. That Ubuntu just shines out and the solutions come from the people at grassroots level. But you've got to let the Ubuntu come to the fore because how can you practice Ubuntu and the, the key principles of, of love, forgiveness, empathy, dignity, humanity, when you've never experienced it yourself? Hmm. So, yes, uh, you know, again, this is, you know, such a restorative justice and Ubuntu. They are so polarized because people in this country at grassroots level have never learned to practice Ubuntu, but it's there. And if we can bring grassroots level interventions where people can learn to understand each other and talk and get rid of the past and, and really, really embark on constructive dialogue, Ubuntu can take over. Yeah. But we've got to let it come naturally. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to ask you, perhaps, my, my, my final question. Is uh, remorse a prerequisite for, I mean, remorse by the offender, a prerequisite for restorative justice, or can we still implement it in the hopes that that would be one of the outcomes? In your experience, how does it normally work? Well, that's a fallacy. 
Mm. Because an offender, um, we talk about rehabilitation, mm. but most of the young people in this country and um, who are involved in gangsters and all these horrendous crimes, we could have sit down and say, what's the causal factor? What have we done wrong? We've just done, done a survey amongst um, thousands and thousands of learners around this country, and it's going to be published in, um, in September at a conference. And we've asked the children, what is the biggest worry you have? What are your biggest needs? Do you know that over 67% of the children have confessed that they have a drug problem? Over 80% of the children have nowhere to go, no recreation, no guidance, no direction, no involvement mm. in school, no cultural education. So um, how, how, can we, um, how can we, you know, start bringing this in? I'm sorry, I've lost train of, of, of the of the <laughs> We're talking about remorse, uh, remorse. you know, being yeah. an outcome or, or, or perhaps yeah. the, well, the, the, remorse the genesis. Remorse from emotional intelligence. If you have in no EQ... If you've never been taught appreciation or gratitude or whatever, how can you be remorseful when you, when everybody else to, to, in your paradigm has actually been the causal factor of why you are Where so you are. angry and so bitter towards the world? So yeah. remorse needs a lot of um, training, needs a lot of EQ, needs a lot of appreciation. And, and to be quite honest, I, I, I would love to see um, what what uh, programs are running in correctional centers right now, because Kalisa was the first ever rehabilitation program mm. in the history of South Africa in 1997, and we've got lots of newspaper articles going back, because we took the, the, the stories of African stories that, that are narrated with Credo Motua, and we took those morals of those stories, and we unpacked them and unpacked them and unpacked them until the, the children could relate to the owl and the sparrow and the, and the hyena and started putting their own stories together, but I don't believe remorse comes 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 naturally, and and offenders are the most manipulative, and I will be too, the mm. most manipulative people in the world because they want to get out of prison. So of course, you're going to say I'm so sorry and and I apologise and all the rest, but but remorse doesn't come overnight. Yes, and and and, and you've got to really feel the pain of your victim before you can be actually remorseful. So I'm very sceptical about. You know, restorative justice measures that are introduced as a pre-release program, and we we we, we did a, a very big major project four years ago with Boxburg Prison, with very serious serial offenders, yeah. and we studied it and trained the staff. And I, I'd love to share those findings that you can use whatever, but but for an offender to be remorseful, he's got to feel the pain of what what he caused on that the victim's life. Yeah, yeah, and and that's scenario I agree with you on that and, one. And, 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 really and, yeah, and also understanding from a, from a different yeah. perspective. But we've got to give them the chance. Yeah, okay. And we're not doing that. Yeah, yeah I mean, I 100% I agree with you. I really do. And uh, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Unfortunately, you know, we are dictated by the clock and it has run out. I'm, I'm having such fun. <laughs> I'm having a really good time as oh, well. No, don't, uh, don't, 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 don't take my story getting away because I want your listeners to understand that we've got solutions for our country. Yes, we it's do. It's not hopeless. But we've got to sit down and start talking to each other, which we've never had a chance since the new dispensation came in. It was like overnight, peace be the world, but we haven't had a chance to sit down and understand each other, where we come from, really and what do. our heritage means to us as a collective. And on mm. that note, 
I'm going to say goodnight, and I hope I'm going to be asked to be interviewed again very soon. Yes, all right. Thank you very much, Leslie, and Thank we appreciate you. your time. Best wishes to all your listeners. All right, Thank right. you. Right, that was Leslie and from uh, Leslie and from Kulisa, um, which is an organisation dealing with a great deal of our offenders and restorative justice. Focus, you so the topic today was restorative justice, and it, it, it's been a really interesting one. I mean, we, 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 we looked at it from the point of view of, um, you know, the justice system and the, the, the little instruments that it has. Perhaps some of them are flawed, uh, some of them do work. And we also looked at it from a more social point of view, from the work by Leslie Ann and her organization dealing with many, many offenders. As a legal practitioner, I can tell you I learned quite a bit today. I didn't realize the importance that the average person places on restorative justice. I didn't know that it was such a big deal. I really didn't know that people put such a value on it. I thought what they want to hear, what they want to know, and what they want to see is that the person who did me wrong is going to jail and I'll never see them again. And that is what we focus on often when we're at court but perhaps it's time for us to take a look take a step back and take a look at the way that we deal with offenders how do they become offenders as Leslie Ann was saying but also as Cornelia was saying once we do punish people and they are sentenced to jail do we want to release the same man or the same woman who went into jail, have them back in our society without ever having made an attempt to change them, without ever having had them understand the impact that they have had on the victims and on society at large? The only way to do that really is a restorative process. And ultimately in South Africa, it doesn't matter how long your sentences get. Ordinarily, a prisoner will eventually be released. We have to take this more seriously. Perhaps we can do this again and talk about what will happen and our various forms of justice. Thank you very much for listening to us today. Coming up next is a total package with Siswe and the rest of his gang. Thank you to our executive producers, Simba Honda, technical producer Kutwano, our research assistant and Nelka. And from me, Tapamuhapi, good night. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Law Focus Podcast.